True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and here in the garage, we would like to remind you that you could have had a bad boy non-committal. That's right. Let's welcome in my friend and yours, the cat. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we got some of my two favorite words paired together. That is cold beers. That's right. We are still drinking this new beer from Highland Brewing called Wishing Star. Wishing Star is a cold IPA because it would be weird if it was warm. This features strata hops that shine with tropical citrus character in this dank cold IPA. And how about some cheers to our garage stars? First up, a big shout out to Sherilyn in Delton, Michigan. And here's a double-fisted West Coast cheers to Emma and Sarah in Seattle, home of the Kraken. Everyone we just mentioned, they went to our website and made us feel awesome. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-W-R-U-N, beer run. Why don't you get some swag? Go to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Click on the pod swag link and check out some true crime garage merch you'll love it it's high quality and colonel that's enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime When we left off yesterday, Captain, we were discussing the release of a composite sketch that police were putting out in hopes of talking to somebody that they say they believe may have been one of the last persons to see Rhonda Knutson alive. When the sketch comes out, we are in a bit of shock because we are not getting a sketch of one individual. In fact, we end up getting a sketch of two men. And the two men are described both as Caucasian between the ages of 35 to 45 years old, medium height with heavy builds. One man is described having bushy hair, a beard and mustache, dark bushy hair, a beard and mustache, believed to be the driver of a semi-tractor trailer, described as a conventional tractor with a white or silver van or white or silver box trailer. The other man is described the same 35 to 45 years old, medium height, heavy build. But this individual is described as having no facial hair. And this individual is not tied to any description of a vehicle. The thing that is strange here is One, I want to know where these were coming from, what hour. We get no context with these individuals other than we believe that this person may have been one of the last to see Rhonda Knutson alive and that these individuals were seen inside the Billstown store. Well, and like we said, it's the wee hours of the morning, so you're not going to 
expect to see or expect to have a lot of eyewitnesses. And when you pull up the cold case file on iowacoldcases.org for Rhonda Knutson, they have the original, a copy of the original flyer that's going out to the general public that they were posting in stores and I would guess other businesses along the highways because of the trucking aspect or trucker aspect to the potential person that they're looking for. And they want to be clear, like they are saying that the persons that you see in these sketches, we're not saying that they were seen together. They're not saying that they were seen separately. They're saying that they were witnessed inside the store itself. I'll read you the exact description that they have. The three composites shown are based on observations of witnesses of two subjects seen in the store earlier that morning. They have also been described as being a medium height, heavy set white males between 35 and 45 years. These two individuals need to be identified so they can be interviewed. It is believed they may be drivers of tractor trailers earlier described as a conventional tractor and white slash silver van or box trailer. All persons who were in the Williamstown store or driving by the store in the early morning hours of Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, 1992, are asked to call the Chickasaw County Sheriff's Office regarding their observations of the area. And then it lists the telephone number. In this particular flyer, we we technically see, as described there, three composite sketches. So you see the one on the far left, and it's we don't get any composite sketch of the build of these individuals, but it's just the face. And you see a bushy hair, bushy beard, mustache, dark hair man. Then in the center composite, you get much less hair. Uh, maybe a potentially less bushy beard and mustache, but looks to be the same guy. And then on the far right, you get a very different looking man, different haircut, different hairstyle, and no facial hair. And in fact, this other man is simply described as no facial hair, where with the other guy, we get dark hair. With this guy, we don't get any type of brown hair, blonde hair, And look, maybe I've become a little jaded here, Captain, right? Because just a few weeks ago, Aaron and I from the Generation Y podcast, we covered a case that's out of the Cleveland area that took place just a couple years ago. And in that case, what happens is it starts to go cold. And then somebody sends in an anonymous letter saying that the person, the suspect they are looking for is described as a woman and they go on to describe clothing and the build and the general appearance of this individual. But then later we learn that that anonymous letter came from somebody who believed that they were dialed into visions of what took right. place that there that day. And so that's made me a little jaded when I hear, okay, These composites are based off of observations of witnesses because the way that the news spun that story was based on an eyewitness account. This is who the, who police should be looking for. And I was hesitant to jump in full throttle on that one because law enforcement wasn't saying this is who we should be looking for. 
And so in this case, we do have saying we do have law enforcement saying this is who we are looking for. And I think that take my jadedness out of it. Uh, that's my own problem, because what I think here and what I, I believe is the situation here is. Whoever is giving and providing these descriptions to law enforcement, they probably believe or know that this individual or these individuals saw them in return and they have to protect the identity of the witness. Yeah, which would make sense. But what's confusing to me is, so we have these composites of these two individuals. Are they seen at the same time in the station or are they seen separately? Exactly. And that question 31 years later is not clear. And I get it. Hold back information and it is necessary, but a little more information when you're asking the public for information, let's give a little more information. Help me to help you. Yeah. Sometimes just answer the freaking question. And in their defense, they may not have a clear understanding either. And and we, we don't know what law enforcement knows in this case and why they have chose to use this strategy as opposed to others. Well, sometimes their strategy is just shit balls. It is, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, knowing that they requested the help from other agencies. That to me shows a level headedness about the investigation from the local level, especially when you have local rumor that deputies may be involved. That's the thing that I have a difficult time getting past because when we talk about the injuries and the way that the injuries are described to our victim here, that she was had severe head injuries from having been beaten by a potentially heavy object. And then we know that the searchers were instructed to look for a quote piece of iron. Mm. The way that the, that's described to me, I sit there and I go, okay, it makes sense that truckers and deputies would be rumored locally to be suspects because of the nature of the injuries themselves, right? You can, a, a tire iron or, you know, don't truckers use uh, clubs to, to thump the, the uh, tires from time to time. Right. And we know that they're instructed to look for a quote piece of iron, but then also you think if you're talking potential deputy being a suspect, Billy club nightstick, it all kind of it, those rumors. And a lot of times we see this in these cases, the rumors, while they are just that rumors, they do tend to make some sense. Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire. One of the things that always intrigues me about true crime is the press conferences and they have a press conference in this case. Yeah. They held a press conference and this would be about three weeks, not quite four weeks after the murder of Rhonda Knutson, but they hold this press conference. And this is for a couple of reasons. One to address the local rumors, which I like when they don't shy away from that. And two, to bring the public up to speed on the current status of the investigation as we said yesterday, murders don't happen in this county. And in fact, we're talking about a 30, 40 year time span where there's only three murders and it might be even longer than that, but that's the most we could find from 1967 until late in the nineties. 
So authorities hold this press conference. And at this press conference, one of the status updates of the investigation, they say, look, the investigation is continuing with the help of five agents from the State Department of Criminal Investigation. They also say the FBI has been called on in this case, but is not yet actively involved. And in fact, I don't, I've not seen anything to suggest that they ever became actively involved. Chickasaw County Sheriff's Office, though, is pointing out at this press conference, this investigation has not yet come to a standstill, that we are still, quote, we are still proceeding full steam ahead and saying, as of this week, an estimated 300 tips have been followed up on, and the same number of individuals have been interviewed. So they've interviewed up to 300 people, they're saying, as of October 1st. Some of those interviewed have also been the target of rumors circulating around town and nearby counties. Quote, there have been rumors in the community that have included deputies, close personal friends, and over-the-road truckers. We have followed up on each and every one of them. So they're stating the rumors could be, it could be a deputy that was involved, could be somebody that knew Rhonda Knutson as a close personal friend, as well as truckers. Going on to address the rumors, they say, we haven't heard a rumor to date that we hadn't already investigated. So any of these rumors that are coming out, they're saying they were previously investigated by us before they right. they heard the rumors themselves. And what the sheriff's department is pointing out is unfortunately, when they go to talk to somebody to get information, maybe somebody can help out with the case. Maybe they drove by. Maybe they went to the store that night. Maybe they know Rhonda. What they're saying is that's having a domino effect where they're just talking to somebody to see what they know, not because they're a suspect. But then the small town is going, sheriff's office was out talking to so-and-so. He must be a suspect in the murder. And then that gets spread around town. Now, the sheriff does say, look, this is not a bad thing. It's bad that certain individuals are being singled out and certain individuals are being accused on the public level of committing a murder that they really had no involvement in. And police are not saying that they do, nor have any suspicion that they do. But he does say that rumors are not terrible for our investigation because it extends and also helps to maintain interest, public interest in the case. So on that level, they're good. Back in the day, law enforcement sometimes would use psychics to get a different perspective. It wasn't like these detectives were going in and always saying, well, I believe in the spiritual realm. It was just. If I give this information, maybe maybe they'll tip me to a rabbit hole that I could jump down. That's why I think the internet is actually so important now with these cases. If I was law enforcement, I wouldn't shy away from listening to a podcast cover a case because they might say something that leads me down a rabbit hole that leads to an actual solid lead. Right. And that works with the the rumors and then back to that. Cleveland case that I was talking about, that's why you didn't see law enforcement referencing any of that information that that the the media was referencing because they didn't believe anything that they were being told in that anonymous letter. And the psychic information here in this case, 
I don't have a lot, not a lot of it made its way to uh, where, where I could find it in any public forum. And I don't know if that was the result of psychics coming out of the woodwork, which right. tends to happen in these cases, or a psychic or two contacting the family or law enforcement. They're not really referenced a whole lot when it comes to information that we get directly from law enforcement in the Rhonda Knutson case. But I do like that they are addressing these rumors and not shying away from the fact that some of those rumors include deputies. Well, you got to think about who's on the road at that time. And like we said, you have a convenience store. These law enforcement officers know here's a place that we stop to get coffee. We're regulars. Is it possible somebody from another county could have used this? As, as a stop as well. Exactly. And to touch further upon something that you brought up yesterday, you'd mentioned three o'clock being the witching hour. Well, we had mentioned that we have law enforcement asking the public for their help, yet we don't get any time of death. We don't, we don't get it narrowed down. The general description of this case is she was working the overnight shift, which was 9 PM to 5 AM. It's, a little known fact, but if you do enough digging, you do come up with a way to kind of close that time window a little bit and hone in on a, on a, a more precise time frame. So once they release the sketches, the composite sketches of the truckers or trucker and person, they can't tie to a vehicle that they want to speak to saying that we believe this individual was one of the last people to see Rhonda Knutson alive. In one of their postings, they state that they, they referenced 3 a.m. And so it's my belief based off of that, that, that uh, information making its way from the mouths of law enforcement, 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. is the time that we're concerned with. So you can even close that gap a little bit more by knowing that Roy shows, I'm sorry, you can even close that gap a little bit more knowing that Ray shows up at five, shows up at 445, phones it in. Really, it looks like the window we need to be concerned with in Rhonda's case is 3 a.m. to 445 a.m. Whatever happened, happened before Ray got there. And unless... Unless Ray is saying, well, I saw this trucker in the parking lot or saw people inside the building when right. I went in, which I don't know why you would leave that out when you're telling the story to the public. It doesn't seem likely. So it seems like to me, whatever happened, happened before 4, 4.45 a.m. And the killer or whoever was responsible, whether it's one of these truckers or both or somebody else entirely, was completely gone by the time Ray shows up. But what you do, if you're in law enforcement, and you know this, we're not the new kids on the block anymore, my friend. We're more like the mm. we're the we're old, the old shit bags on the block, like like Donnie <laughs> on Blue Bloods. <laughs> if you're Donnie, then then who who am I, Joey? I probably should mention this, but you know this, Captain Donnie from Blue Bloods. He's now on some show on. Uh, on maybe ID or something, but he wanted to come on our garage show and talk about uh, the the upcoming true crime show that he's doing. And we 
of course, w- wish him the best of luck, and I'm sure it's a great show. Well, our response was, if you were Jordan, would let you on. If you were Jordan <laughs> Knight, because that that boy can sing. He's good. That Jordan's more of a more of a garage guy than Donnie yeah, ever he's was. He's good. That boy can sing. So let's fill in some of the blanks a little bit here, right, Captain? So this is this I love this stuff. When we get this kind of information, this is the stuff that you and I are always looking we for. We geek out about it. We do, and we're about to geek out right in front of you, right here. Police state that they there was a recorded number of purchases that night during Rhonda Knutson's shift. The register recorded 63 purchases. They are saying, and I would love to know what this number is today, because here we sit over 30 years later. But they're saying in October of 1992 that they have identified 32 of those purchases. And investigators spoke to the persons that made those purchases. So they identified 32 of the 63 sales that Rhonda Knutson recorded on the register tape the night that she was killed. And they go on to say, we need to know who those people are and what they purchased so we can fill in the blanks in time before Rhonda Knutson's death. Authorities still have not determined a motive for murder. And they go on to say that it was determined that robbery was not attempted and there was no signs of sexual assault. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. 
Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. We are back. Thanks for joining us here in the garage. Cheers to you all. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends and families. We appreciate it. And cheers to you, my good friend, the car. Cheers to you, Captain. So in addressing the rumors and who could be involved in the murder of Rhonda Knudsen, the sheriff states that deputies being involved or a deputy having committed this murder was something they were not going to shy away from, stating that Several of the deputies, the sheriff's deputies, were acquaintances with Rhonda Knutson. Several of them were even good friends with Rhonda, saying that his deputies would often stop by the store, stop by the store to make a fuel purchase or purchase a snack, go in to check on the store, check on the attendant, not just Rhonda, whoever may be working there that night, but as of October 1992, the direct statement from the county attorney was, quote, we haven't ruled out anybody other than the deputies, end quote. Yeah, but what do they say about lawyers? How do you know they're lying? Their mouths are moving. So, but, but <laughs> look, this is what you have to do if you're a detective, right? You have a victim. She has an inner circle. She has an outer circle. It's just like the boyfriend. Is he a suspect? Is he a person of interest? Everybody is. Her family members are. And we're going to rule them out one by one. Process of elimination. So I, I do commend them and I applaud them for not shying away from the fact that they said, who's on the road? Deputies are on the road. Who makes stops here? Law enforcement. Maybe it's one of our own, and we need to look into that. Well, and think about this, too. One thing you'll notice in all of the quotes that we put together yesterday and today, where are they coming from? They're coming from either the sheriff or the county attorney. So that needs to tell you something. This Chickasaw County Sheriff's Office at the time this gives me reason to believe that they do not have a homicide, a, a dedicated homicide detective in 1992. I want to expect Chickasaw Hee Haw to have one of those. Right. And there might be people out there scratching their heads and going, an entire sheriff's department in 1992? You don't believe they had a dedicated homicide detective? Well, they didn't because they didn't have homicides. Right. Right. You have you have burglary, robbery, uh, theft, drug narcotics you have those detectives when you have those problems when homicide is not a problem and you don't experience them you often don't dedicate a detective to 
working those types of cases in particular. Now, you can also take that and go, wow, the inexperience level of this sheriff's department to fully, thoroughly and comprehend and, and fully comprehend the investigation at in front of them is probably not likely. But again, very early on, they called in DCI, who's at the state level, who's who is working homicide cases all of the time. So they knew enough to call in experts and they knew enough to call in persons in an agency that had bigger and better resources than they did. The other rumor that was going around, we talked about the truckers, but the other rumor was that we could be talking about a serial killer. And here is an article from the courier out of Waterloo, Iowa from November 4th, 1992, that says officials say Knutson death, not linked to other murders. Despite the theories that a serial killer may be stalking the Midwest, authorities investigating the murder of Rhonda Knutson say the person they are searching for is probably not responsible for other regional murders. Now, one in particular that we have to talk about is Tammy Joe Zawicki. Now, yesterday, we reminded everybody that we covered the Highway Serial Killers Initiative. This was something that came to light via the FBI. It actually came to light kudos to the media because this was something that several really good boots on the ground investigative journalists, one here in Ohio in particular, that brought this information to the FBI saying in several uh, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Indiana, in several different cities and states that you have these journalists coming forward and saying, we think that a lot of these cases are connected and they seem to all involve truck stops, highways, gas stations. And so the FBI starts looking at this and they say, we have always stated for years that the ideal, and this is no slight to any of the great truckers out there, because we have a lot of people that are driving for a living that listen to this show and we love you and we thank you and I love the truckers don't stop what you're doing truckers because if you do this country will shut down very quickly we rely and depend on you but the fbi says and it's obvious why that an ideal job for someone that is a serial killer would be somebody that travels a lot and so the first thing that comes to mind would be a highway traveler or a trucker. And so you have America's highway serial killers that we covered in a four part series in episodes 591 to 593 on your true crime garage radio dial back in June of 2022. And in those episodes, two of the cases that we specifically highlighted that of Kristen Alice Schmidt still unsolved homicide in Oregon and Tammy Joe Zwicky still unsolved homicide. And this involves three states, Illinois, Iowa, which matches up with Rhonda Knutson's case and Missouri. And one thing that was awfully haunting when doing some of the research for this week's case for Rhonda Knutson's case is it's difficult to look through a newspaper from September of 1992 and not see Rhonda Knutson's case right next to Tammy Joe Zawicki's case. And that's because Tammy Joe was a 
college student in the state of Iowa. She was driving from Illinois and going back to school. And unfortunately, her vehicle was found abandoned in Illinois. She never returns to her college in Grinnell, Iowa. And later her body's found in Missouri. That's why her case kind of spans these three states. But her body's not found until a couple of weeks later. She's located and then later ID'd positively as Tammy Josewicki, who was missing. And she's positively ID'd about a day or two before Rhonda Knutson is murdered in Iowa. And that's why we're seeing these two cases almost side by side. And oddly, I think the other thing that connects them is not just these newspaper articles and being, unfortunately, front page headline news at the same time, but also that we have a trucker or truckers described in the composite sketch for Knudsen's case. But it's also believed that maybe a trucker was involved in Tammy Josewicki's case. So can we describe the person that is last seen with these victims? Yeah, that's one thing that's a little haunting here as well. So keep in mind that Tammy Josewicki, she's driving back to, to college, right? And she disappears on August 23rd. She's seen at mile marker 83 on interstate 80 in central Illinois. She's not terribly far away. In fact, from the great state of Iowa seen between three and 4 PM on the 23rd of August, according to witnesses, a tractor trailer truck was observed right next to Zawicki's Pontiac, her vehicle at multiple times during that three to 4 PM window. Witnesses described a faded rusty orange stripe around the center of this tractor trailer truck. The semi, the semi's driver was described as a Caucasian male between the age of 35 and 40, who was either at or just over six feet tall. The semi driver, according to witnesses had dark and bushy hair. Now, that is August 23rd, not terribly far away from Rhonda Knudsen's case that takes place September 7th of the same year. And in that case, and in Knudsen's case, remember, we're talking about somebody that's described, two men that are described as 35 to 45 years of age, medium height with heavy builds. One thing that's missing from Tammy Josewicki's case, it's not mentioned the build of the person at all, let alone a heavy build. But it's also weird that we're hearing Caucasian male with bushy hair and a beard and a mustache where we get beard and bushy hair in Tammy Joe Zawicki's case as well. I don't know that they're connected. And in fact, it appears that as far as the public's concerned, that there might be two decent suspects in both cases that are not one in the same. We have, Lonnie Beerbald in Tammy Joe Zawicki's case, who is a person of interest. He has passed away, I believe, and remains a person of interest. One person that has never been excluded as a possibility in the Rhonda Knudsen case is now known serial killer Clark Perry Baldwin. He was a long haul trucker from Iowa. 
but he wasn't arrested until May of 2020. This after forensic genealogy linked his DNA to several 1990s era slangs. This is the murders of three different women from Wyoming and Tennessee. The Des Moines Register reports that Clark Perry Baldwin, age 58, was taken into custody at his Waterloo, Iowa home after investigators linked his DNA with semen and other materials recovered from the victims, two of whom were pregnant at the time. Baldwin worked as an over-the-road truck driver for most of his career living in Iowa. He also lived in Springfield, Missouri for a period of time. In 1991, he was charged with raping a 21-year-old hitchhiker at gunpoint. This took place in Texas. The woman told police that Baldwin struck her on the head, then bound her hands and mouth and tried to choke her to death. He allegedly admitted to the assault, but was released pending grand jury proceedings. The charges were later dismissed after the state was unable to locate the victim. So they have to drop their charges because they can no longer find the victim to testify against him. Yeah, but this trial. guy, I mean, if you look into him, he he is a piece of work. He's a big guy with a Caucasian. He looks exactly with a big like bushy the, beard, the bushy hair. Sketch. Except for now, when we see him, because it's all these years later, he's got gray hair. Right rather than the dark head of hair and the dark beard. But yeah, I was doing some digging on this guy and, and, and some people close to him were so shocked by all this information coming out and other people were like, no, this guy was a monster. He was very abusive, I guess, Mm -hmm. towards his stepkids would, would beat them, um, with a belt to bare bottom would hold their heads underwater in the in the bathtub to punish them. And then other people said that this guy was the gentle giant. Yeah, I don't know if maybe he aged out of some of his violence. I, it's it's difficult to say. What we do know though is that he's been charged with three homicides. So, and and these homicides, while none of them take place in Iowa, we can't get past the fact that they all take place in the same years as Rhonda Knutson's murder uh, and Tammy Jozowicki's murder. And then on top of that, he's living in Iowa around this time in Waterloo, which we know is not terribly far from where Rhonda Knutson was killed. Yeah. I'm horrible. Cause every time I hear Waterloo, And we're not alone on this, Captain, because we know that investigators from multiple states started looking into Baldwin to see if he was involved in other murders. One thing that's incredibly tragic here, beyond the murders, thank God they get some some kind of justice. At least this guy's locked up now. But one thing that's incredibly tragic is that two of the victims still have not been identified. We don't know who two of these victims were. So while we talk about some form of justice here in these cases, the family members, the loved ones of these two individuals that have not been identified, they don't know that there's been any justice. They probably don't even know why their loved one is, is missing. It was noted and reported in multiple from multiple news outlets that Baldwin was looked at 
after he was arrested for the Tammy Joe Zawicki case, the right. Iowa college student case. But it was stated that he was ruled out. Now, I had a little trouble double, triple checking this statement, and I also couldn't back up why. Uh, the, the two statements that I could find that say he was ruled out, they do not state why he was ruled out. It could be simply that they were able to prove that he was nowhere near where she was abducted from. But again, with her being missing for a period of time, right? She's missing for about 10 days or so, seven to 10 days. Her timeline gets a little wonky and it's difficult to say if she was killed immediately after she was abducted or how, how much time had passed. Uh, We only know how much time it passed from when they found her body, which was in a state of decomposition and somewhat concealed. But there's a part of me that says, Nick, do not rule out the, the very slight. All right. This is a very minor possibility that. Could Rhonda Knutson have been told something? Did, I mean, did could somebody have stopped a trucker have stopped in that may have been responsible for Zawicki's case? Because at the time that Rhonda Knutson is killed, the description of the person last seen or the trucker seen with Tammy Joe Zawicki's vehicle broken down on the side of the road, we get a description of that driver of the of the semi truck. And we get a description right. of the semi truck itself is I don't think not, not having enough information to rule it out that you can go past the idea again, as slight as it may be, does somebody pull in matching that truck? And she says the wrong thing. And this person attacks her because it goes back to motive for Rhonda Knutson's case. To me, we're told via law enforcement through the news and through the media that there was no sign of sexual assault. We do not believe that robbery was attempted. So why the hell was she killed? There's a motive there for some, for, for something. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But it just makes me, it makes me come to the conclusion that they don't have DNA. Right. And I wonder if in Tammy Joe's case, if they do have DNA, we know that Baldwin was connected in the other cases by DNA. And if they were able to rule him out in Tammy's case because of that. And then in Rhonda Knutson's case, I'm not willing to believe. I know they've told us this and I know they've told us this repeatedly. I'm not willing to believe 100% that sexual assault did not take place just because I, I know that we have the statement that she was found fully clothed and that sexual assault did not occur. But remember we covered the Amy Blumberg case, right? And unfortunately she was killed new year's Eve in 1999. She was working in a store. Some guy comes in, kills her leaves. And the case actually went cold for a period of time. I think it was a couple of years. I'm going off of memory here. Pardon me, captain. But at no point did they ever say to the public or through the media that she was sexually assaulted. They just kind of left that out. And in fact, they went out of their way to say that it's difficult for us to determine the motive here. It wasn't robbery. 
And when that took place, it, it had the, the public reacting going, well, maybe this is linked to the I-70 killer where the I-70 killer comes in with a gun. He doesn't rape anybody. He doesn't rob anybody. He doesn't rob the store. He kills and he leaves. And then later on, we find after this guy is arrested that, yes, in fact, he did sexually assault the victim. Could that be holdback information in the Rhonda Knutson case as well? I, I, again, it goes back to, I believe in holdback information. I also believe that when you're asking the public for help, help me to help you. The more that the public knows, the more that somebody might be able to help connect the dots for you. And if, if we're talking about no sexual assault, then we're talking about a different kind of criminal than if there is sexual assault. But like I said, some of these serial killers, they just don't have that many personal connections. So, I mean, mm-hmm. look at somebody like Dahmer or Bundy. They're just roaming free. Nobody knows where they're, where they're at. They don't have any place to be. If I went missing for a weekend, people would know. They'd be calling. They'd be calling and searching for me. Mm-hmm. But these guys can go missing for days. I mean, for all we know, this individual had had stopped at this station multiple times. Well, and it would seem to me like it wouldn't be too. Again, as you're pointing out, this the person responsible could live states away, and so that would make this case incredibly difficult. They don't find the murder weapon. That makes the case incredibly difficult. Yeah. And again, we don't know if there's DNA makes it, but the general correct. We don't know if there's DNA. We do have a couple things that are on the record though, that are of interest. I believe in this Knudsen case. Well, hit us with them. So one, we have the, we have the attorney the county attorney who would ultimately be the one that would prosecute this case if they were able ever able to bring it to trial who states multiple times look we are looking for uh, forensic evidence accumulated at the crime scene has been reanalyzed during the past year i'm looking for a date of when this was released i don't have a date of this i believe it's around the 20 year anniversary so 2000 and 12 forensic evidence accumulated at the crime scene has been reanalyzed during the past year. Laboratory tests of any unknown substances found at the scene, including fingerprints have been in review to see if they can produce leads not formally identified. Those tests are continuing. Hundreds of interviews have also been conducted. And then they go on to say, I think this is a year later, quote, particularly damning. Sorry. Then they go on to say, I believe this is a year later where he says. Hope that a quote, particularly damning piece of evidence might still be found that would allow the complexity, the complexion of this case. The prosecuting attorney goes on to express hope that a quote, particularly damning piece of evidence might still be found that would allow the complexion of this investigation to change for the good, end quote. 
it's statements like those that make me wonder what did what did they pull from the crime scene? There, it sounds like they're still holding on to something that they hope that they can extract some type of information from, some evidence from that will lead them to who is responsible for Ronda Knudsen's murder. And not to sound like a old Captain Bootlicker here, but law enforcement they're asking for help. They asked for the FBI's help. They asked for other law enforcement's help. And then I think it was seven years, case is cold, and they're asking for a special prosecutor to be brought in. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks to me, Captain, like this case could have been cold three or four months into the investigation. And you're absolutely right. It was right around that seven years after Rhonda Knudsen was killed that the county requested Let's bring in a special prosecutor to review information in Knutson's murder investigation. This is interesting to me because I can only relate this to the very few times that we have seen in the cases that we've reviewed that they bring in, they actually bring in a special prosecutor. And as the title would tell you, they only bring in a special prosecutor for special circumstances. Now, it's not always clear what those special circumstances are. Some of the cases that we've reviewed that when they do bring in a special prosecutor are when either it's believed that a potential cover-up is involved or that a person in authority or law enforcement may have been involved in the homicide. A case was botched from the beginning by a bad investigation and or a case that is incredibly complex. It's hard for us to sit here all these years later and this far away and know which one of these factors, if any of them, was the reason for bringing in a special prosecutor. My guess would be the complexity of the case based off of, look, I and maybe I should remain suspicious, but. I tend to not see cover-ups when immediately local law enforcement are bringing in other agencies. That would seem to just kind of pull the curtain back and expose whatever's going on. And here, I wonder if the complexity of this case is what and why they believe the only and best strategy would be to bring in a special prosecutor one that has an incredibly good success rate for prosecuting murders in the state of Iowa. So the person that they brought in was labeled as one of the most experienced homicide specialists working in the attorney general's office in the state of Iowa. And then you say, well, what are the complexities with the case there, Nick? We have a young woman that's killed at a gas station in the middle of the night. The complexities of the case to me would seem to be the evidence or lack thereof. Right. They're not able to, unless they're holding it back, they're not able to tell us the motive. Well, and the possibility. Or, or they've not determined the, it themselves. Well, and the possibility that the killer could be from hundreds of miles away. It could be a traveler. Right. Right. Stranger on stranger crime. The perpetrator does not live in the jurisdiction or even in the state. And then on top of that, the lack of evidence. We are big believers in transfer theory, 
But is this one of those cases where that did not occur or they were not able to identify any items that are missing from the scene or any items that were left at the scene by the killer? We know that they searched the area two mile radius. They were hoping, you know, Captain, they were hoping and they were praying and this was good work by them. They were walking and looking, searching the ground, hoping that this killer or the killers tossed something out the window while they were fleeing the, the crime scene. Hoping that maybe they threw the murder weapon out, out, and that maybe somehow that this thing would have identifiers on it that could lead us to someone or to a trucking company or uh, in some way make it breadcrumbs to the killer. And it's shocking to me that I haven't heard of this case before. It's shocking to me that this case hasn't been covered. And hopefully we do some good by shining some light on this case. The crime remains unsolved and the Chickasaw County Sheriff's Office continues to ask for assistance for any information related to this murder. Anyone with information is asked to call the Chickasaw County Sheriff's Office at 641-394-3124. As always, thank you for joining us in the garage. If you like what you hear, if you love the show, please leave us a five-star or positive review wherever you listen. This week, I am incredibly excited and proud to be recommending a new book. It's my first book. I wrote this with a great author who many of you know, Brian Whitney. The book is titled The Delphi Murders, The Quest to Find the Man on the Bridge, and it's published by one of the very best names in true crime. Wild Blue Press. Legendary narrator Kevin Pierce did the audiobook for which I am incredibly grateful. If you have Audible, the audiobook is available now, and the pre sale orders are running for both paperback and hardback copies on Amazon. Just search Nick Edwards, N I C Edwards. I'm hoping that you will check it out. Make sure you follow True Crime Garage on Twitter and Instagram. We will see you next week. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter.